Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Thank you so much for being here. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, a lot going on in our world, David. Where do you want to start? Uh, I mean, there is a lot going on in the, in, in the world, uh, but not for the Transportation Secretary, Pete Buttigieg. Uh, he got really, did you see this? He got really annoyed with the Daily Caller reporter who saw him walking down the street and decided to ask him about the disaster in East Palestine, Ohio. Unbelievable. He, and he, and he melted down. Yeah. Well, he was on Good Morning America yesterday, said he was eventually going to get there. Yeah. But when he goes there, it's for a purpose. Yeah. So Jenny Terr is the reporter, and Pete really didn't want to talk to her. He's like, I did, I did a bunch of interviews today, and I don't want to talk to you right now. Yeah. Then, oh. it, get, then it got weirder. Well, okay. You don't have a message for them? I do, and I shared it with the press many times today. I'd refer you to those comments. Would you mind sharing it with us? No, I'm going to refer you to the comments that I made to the press because uh, right now I'm taking some personal time and I'm walking down the street. Are you going down there? Whoa. I'm taking a little personal time walking yeah. down the street. Well, he's been hard at work doing nothing. This guy really doesn't understand optics, does he? No. And what his reputation already is. Well, well, listen, this guy is an entitled brat. He he thinks yes. that, okay, well, I'm a, I'm a gay guy from the Midwest, and therefore you should just kiss the ground I walk on. Holy smokes. Take a little personal time. Are you going down there? <clears throat> What's up? Are you going down there at all? Um, yep, I am. When are you going? Uh, I'll share that uh, when I'm ready. Okay, I'll talk thank you. Can I, a, can I get a photo of you? Can I get a he photo? He take of a photo of yeah. her. Why? Can't, can't be too careful. Oh, blacklist oh. people. You know, That's right. I mean, it's an intimidation move. It totally is. Yeah. You know, I, I've seen some people defending Pete Buttigieg, saying, "Oh, well, you know, an official should be able to walk down the street without somebody yelling questions at him." I'm like, y'all were like just sending Supreme Court justices running <laughs> out of the back doors of restaurants. Okay. Yeah, shut up. Unbelievable, man. You know, it, we've got, you know, the borders are Kamala can't be bothered with going to the border. If you remember that, it was until she was shamed into it. And now the transportation secretary will all show up in East Palestine when it really means something. No, you're a leader. That's what you're supposed to do. It's not an unfair question. It was a transportation disaster. You run the transportation department. You need to be there. And your answer was, well, there's a thousand a year. Yeah. Well, that and the fact that well, I did like eight interviews today already. Wow. Well, no. And, you know. Let me take your picture because I need to keep it on file so the FBI can come kick your door down here. You want me to go ahead and just state the obvious? Sure. But I don't know if you've ever really thought about this before. If Pete was heterosexual, think about how he's done at the different jobs that he's had. Would he be anywhere? No. No, no he wouldn't. That's the whole gig. Yeah. This That's is not, it. This is not a bright guy. It's just box checking. Very mediocre at best. Oh, my goodness. Just not good at his job. He was talking about all the disasters he handled in South Bend. Did you hear him say that? Yeah. I'm like, you were the governor or the mayor while these disasters were going on. Okay, and 
I'm going to clarify because we talked about it before, his nickname, Pothole Pete. And I referred that nickname yesterday, calling him Pothole Pete. Yeah, I know, but you got to emphasize the P, buddy. Because there are a number of people that said I said something different. I went back and listened. I didn't. I don't know how it sounds. You know, I'm just telling you all the mail I got on it. I don't know if Van Camp is putting one of his guitar phasers on my voice to make it sound different. <laughs> but it was Pothole Pete. It didn't start with a B. Pot. Whole pot. Yes. 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 Okay. Outside of that, I have not heard this audio yet, David, but you say it's bonkers. Dude, okay, so uh, there's been a grand jury impaneled in Georgia investigating Trump and his team's reaction to the 2020 election, Mm -hmm. and the entire purpose of it is to decide whether or not anyone should be indicted for election-related crimes. Like, did they uh, try to bully or influence the outcome of an election using illicit means, things like that. They've wrapped up their work, and apparently they have recommended some indictments. There's a a partial report released last week. Ultimately, it's up to the prosecutor to decide whether or not they're going to move forward with anything. Um, And so uh, the list of people who are being indicted has not been released yet, But the foreman of the grand jury, a woman named uh, Emily Coors, is now doing a media tour, and this lady is off her rocker. Uh, So, I I mean, she's talking about, well, I'm not going to tell you (laughs) who we we want to be indicted. (laughs) Got this weird giggle. Oh, dude. That's going on. You're not supposed to do that. No, you're really not. obvious. Yeah, so she wanted to, she told MSNBC, well, I wanted to subpoena Donald Trump because she thought it would be neat. Okay. All right, roll this. We got here. I wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in? I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. (laughs) Yeah. Be like, really cool? I could put it all over my social media? And, And apparently... When Lindsey Graham was brought in to testify, one of the first questions she asked him was, it it was the week of Thanksgiving when this testimony was being taken, and she Mm -hmm. asked if it was too early to wear a Santa hat. This person's insane. (laughs) Wow. And this is the person that the prosecutor's like, yes, uh, this person is definitely qualified to uh, talk about indicting a, a former president or I don't know anybody else. Uh, this is crazy. Not only is she on the jury, she's the foreman for the jury. Yeah. Okay, if you could paint the picture, because you've seen it, right, yeah. David? Yeah. Okay, I haven't seen her. If you had to guess age, appearance, what are we talking uh, about? Somewhere around 40, I would okay. guess. Uh, you know, as Don Lemon would say, based on looks, probably past her prime a little bit. <laughs> kind of a bat face, too. Got the... <laughs> <laughs> Holy mackerel, what does that mean? It's kind of squishy and pointed. Yeah. Squishy um, and pointed. Yeah. Dang, she, man, that just sounds cruel. It's not really about her looks, it's about the way she no, it's, carries it's her herself. demeanor. Yeah. Right. Like like she is totally the person that you might go out with them a couple of times <laughs> and then you you're like, Yeah, nothing's really clicking. But then for six months after that, she's blowing up your phone with okay. text messages and talking about how 
you're her boyfriend, and my boyfriend, we haven't talked about my boyfriend yet, and maybe I'm revealing something about my past here, but that's instantly my picture. Like, the person who goes out on one date with somebody, like, just two drinks at Applebee's, and... Like updates her Facebook status to in a relationship, yeah. and then screams at the guy for ruining her life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, that's why I want to know if you could paint the picture, because dang, that's that's just cruel and funny all at the same time. Okay, but I you did you accurately painted the picture for me, so thank you. Okay, you brought up uh, Don Lemon there. There is an update on Don Lemon. Yeah, Uh, well, he tweeted out an apology to his viewers for the remarks he made last week about Nikki Haley being past her prime at the age of 51. Mm -hmm. Um, Never has apologized to Nikki Haley. That's the thing that's interesting to me. But he's back on the air today, evidently. They didn't really address it on the air. Uh, But he tweeted out, I appreciate the opportunity to be back on CNN this morning today. Uh, To my network, my colleagues, and our incredible audience, I'm sorry I've heard you. I'm learning from you. And I'm committed to doing better. (laughs) See you soon. He's learning. He should have been forced to call everybody watching that. It would have taken him about 15 minutes. (laughs) That's true audience outreach right there. Exactly. And I don't think he should be fired for this kind of thing because he said dumber things in the past, honestly. I was reminded yesterday, one of the things he said to one of Bill Cosby's accusers doing mm-hmm. an interview with her years ago because apparently he had forcibly, you know, there, drugged there and raped her. Yeah. Oral stuff was going on. Mm-hmm. And he asked her why she didn't bite down. I remember that. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. Yeah. I mean, He's an idiot. There, yeah, there's a laundry list of stuff. I mean, it's if you voted for Trump, you're, you're aligned with the Klan. I mean, it's one after another after another. And I think there is a point that people have brought up to say he thought it was fair game going after Nikki Haley because she's Republican. He could say whatever he wanted exactly. because he's been able to get away with that. And this was just a little bit different. It was a dumb take. No doubt about that. Wow. But it got me some money because I won that bet. He's not going to be fired by Friday unless he really steps in it yeah. in the next 48 hours. Scott, you're going to owe me. I keep hearing there's like this little internal revolt going on at CNN. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it could get hotter. I don't know. Oh, before we move on, just have you guys read any of the internal strife at the failing New York Times and what was going on in 2020? Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. I'll have to grab that story yeah. for later in the show. Because it was insanity going on. And basically, if I had to spare it all down so you could hear it at this time, it was the inmates ran the asylum. And it was a lot of people that weren't even reporters. It was people from the lifestyle and art section that were talking about revolting. And the people that run the failing New York Times were scared to death. And that's why it got totally insane there. And I don't know that there's any turning back. But there's a big struggle going on there now because some people are fighting for some sort of sanity. Mm. Interesting. Meanwhile, Wheel of Fortune. Ah, boy. When you go on and you get in the arena, you are risking that you could be, you know, foolish in front of a whole lot of people. But no one would have guessed it would be like this. (laughs) No, Wheel of Fortune contestant went viral for all the wrong reasons this week. It's teen week, apparently. So in in fairness, these are these are kids or teenagers. Okay. One of the contestants basically had the puzzle solved. 
It, the answer was fresh tropical fruit. And only the S in the word fresh was missing. So it's pretty obvious to everyone yeah. watching what it would be. And she missed it. And you can actually hear, I've juiced the audio a little bit. You can actually hear an audience member shout, what? <laughs> okay, roll it. Okay, what letter for you? I'll go with a G. What? Uh, Juliana, it's your turn. I don't know, man. I love Freg, Freg Tropical Fruit. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Okay, what letter for you? I'll go with a... No way. G. What? What? <laughs> uh, Juliana, it's your turn. Uh, I sorry. I thought Sajak uh, handled it well, saying, you know, you're watching at home and you think it's so easy, but sometimes right. the word just disappears. Yeah. The thing is, man, and this is the sad part, it's going to be 10, 15 years later. Hey, want some Frank food? She, she's the Frank Prince of Bel Air. Oh, man. Every anniversary show from here forward will have that clip. The FBI. It gets worse. Straight ahead. Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Heat Boot Edge Edge update. He's going to go to East Palestine, Ohio. No, he's not. Tomorrow. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Really? Yes. Wow. Just saw the update. Well, that's it. I mean, it, it is always the day late and a dollar short. I mean, now he's just been bullied into it. He's like, okay, fine, I'll just go. Yep. But I'm not there for a photo op. That's what he said yesterday. I'm there for solutions. Yes. And apparently those solutions have eluded him up until this exact moment. Interesting. Well, again, what was he saying? Well, when I get there, and then we're going to talk about rail safety. Now, the people there want to know, what are you going to do about the situation they're in? Hey, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that the company pays for this, and in the meantime, we're going to cover you. We're going to make sure that all the testing is done to make sure that the air is okay and the water's okay. Not that you got to pay forty grand for a test. That's what they want to hear from you, dude. Yeah. Eepers. Okay. Is he going to drink the water too? Probably. Like Governor DeWine and some did yesterday. Well, if he's asked to, I mean, if you're put on the spot like that, what would you do? Would I drink the water? Better no. drink the water. Hell no, I'm not drinking that. <laughs> Well, then you, your career's over. You have to at that point. Rather that than have a third eye sprout on my forehead. Do <laughs> <laughs> you get what I'm saying, David? Wouldn't you just drink it down at that yeah, point? Yeah, I mean, if you want to have a career, yeah. Because that, I, I mean. One of our listeners said yesterday, hey, man, let's see what happens after two weeks after they've drank the water. Yeah. Well, the, oh, these people? Yeah. Well, the real controversy is that uh, they actually shipped in that water from Flint, Michigan, because it's safer. Golly, man. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Um, got to get to a story on the FBI coming up in just a few. You won't believe what we're wasting our tax dollars on within the FBI. I'll just put it to you this way. There's a wellness room. Okay? <laughs> a what? A wellness room. We'll get to that in the next 15 minutes. <laughs> well, that's bizarre. Okay. I'm not joking. I'm sure you're not. But we'll get to that coming up in just a few. All right. Um, 
we're seeing this more and more. There are companies saying, hey, we got to get back to work now. You need to work in the office, mm-hmm. right? Amazon's the latest. This, I guess, is quite the controversy within Amazon. And you wonder how many people are going to leave because of this. I don't know if you happen to see the story or not. Um, but you're talking about, you know, a third of people talking about a revolt. Well, good luck with that. And they're only talking about three days a week. Yeah, you're fired then. Bye. Right? If there's yeah. one thing that the tech industry has just learned from the takeover of Twitter by Elon Musk, there are a lot of people who are extremely replaceable. Yes. Th- that's absolutely true. My goodness, man. And that just reminds me of something else that I saw. There's a whole new list of words about leaving jobs. Okay. I don't know if you happen to see any of these or not. Um, gosh, where is that list? It was right in front of me. Um, dang it. Leaving jobs because they have to go back into the office? Or just, you know, reason. there's new terms that they use for all these different jobs. I got eight papers that are all together right here. <laughs> Sorry. It's a little unorganized well, at the moment. And usually it's something that has been in existence for quite some time. Yes. But, yeah, I think I saw the same thing. One of them is copycat layoffs. Yes. The idea that layoffs are contagious, so when one corporation starts firing people, other companies decide they can too. That another, was it. Another yeah. reason to keep the mask on. Yeah, exactly. There was, there was also rage applying. <laughs> I've can done you, that. Can you guess what it is? You're so pissed off, you just take whatever, you're just either applying for everything? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I've done it. I've done it too. I think a lot of people have. The bare minimum Monday, it's like quiet quitting, but it's just for the start of the week, like just sleeping through a Monday. (laughs) Then there's um, shift shock when you're excited about a new job, but after a few shifts, you realize you hate it. Yeah. (laughs) And then there's the boomerang employees. You've probably heard that before when you go back to an old job because the new one didn't work out. Oh, boy, I've never had to do that, but I hope I never do. That, That just sounds like that would be a humiliating thing. Depending yeah, on how you can find out what you really like to do. Yeah. And then there's career cushioning. It's when you don't necessarily hate your job, but you start looking for other jobs in case layoffs are coming. But my favorite is resenteeism. You stay in a bad job because you don't think you have any other options. So you resent it more and more and more. <laughs> Been there. Yeah. Yep. We'll yep. get to that FBI story straight ahead. Van Camp and Robbins show. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. Would we? Would we? Would we? Would we? The all of our allies. Inspiring the world. President yeah. Biden. Yeah, speaking exactly. of Poland and Ukraine. I, I heard a bunch of people gushing over. This was his Reagan moment. <sighs> what? Yeah, I heard the same thing. Reagan? This was his tear down this wall moment. I'm not joking. No, the wall Scott. was actually coming down. <laughs> right. Well, and the Trump other was thing actually is, fearful enough to do it. As has been pointed out too, is that Joe Biden felt like uh, Reagan's attitudes towards Russia at the time 
were too confrontational. Yeah. There were a lot of people within Reagan's inner circle mm-hmm. that thought it was too confrontational, which is wild to look back now in history because a lot of people think that's a great American president moment. Yet some of his closest advisors were saying, oh, don't, don't do that. Really interesting. Yeah, Joe was quoted as saying that coming out of a black church with a bunch of his Polish friends. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows where all of that's going. Uh-huh. Um, the FBI, apparently there are different people in the FBI not liking the fact that the January 6th tapes have now been put in the hands of Tucker Carlson. Well, too bad. D- totally agree. Have they yeah, considered crying more? Well, you know, again, what could possibly be on the tapes that they're so afraid of? Well, the talking point is this. You've noticed this. Everybody's saying the same thing, essentially. It's a blueprint for the next time it happens. Please. Because they'll know where the different they'll, they'll, offices are. Well, they'll know are. where everything is. Because the offices in the Capitol are not labeled. Oh, wait, they are. <laughs> I'm just going to say. <laughs> All you have to do is take a tour through there and right. see the same thing. <laughs> that makes no sense. So the Viking horn guy, if he'd have known exactly... The exact layout, he'd be president now? <laughs> well, he had to find then his own all, way through. The all-out coup would have worked? Yes. <laughs> but I've Raskin saying it. Kinzinger's saying it. All the weenies that were on there They are all, all got their talking it. points. Okay? And it's that, well, Tucker Carlson, he's going to pick and choose from all of these hours. <laughs> yeah, Not that the January 6th <laughs> committee did that. But you guys could have released it when you had it. You could have released it anywhere you wanted to. But you didn't. The thing you is, had it. The American people own it. Yeah, we should be able to see it. And if you're covering it up, what exactly is it, and why do you want it covered up? Yeah, I think we all have. If you had an the power, you could have turned it over to the race lady over at MSNBC. Man, oh man, did see this piece talking about the FBI. This was a Daily Wire, and you know there have been some whistleblowers within the FBI. It doesn't get much legacy media attention, but it's a big freaking deal. When people that have been inside the FBI for years are saying, hey, man, this place is jacked up. There's still a lot of good people here. But the leadership, this is crazy what's going on here. Completely against why we even got into this to begin with. And so one of the whistleblowers, Steve Friend, um, said, hey, I just got a document from some buddies inside the FBI um, field office in Jersey. They have a wellness room. Now, that includes massage recliners, lounge furniture, and a yoga space for employees. It's all about about wellness, you see. And he's saying, you know, I see a value in activities that could build morale, but I don't think it should be done on the taxpayer's dime and time. And when you see things like massage chairs being made available to federal employees to have access to during their workday, as a taxpayer myself, I find that insulting. Apparently, the Wellness Committee seeks to encourage employees to prioritize their physical, emotional, and mental health mm-hmm. by offering a wellness space, program, and resources. Okay. So you go a little further into the story, and it talks about there's also broadcast equipment in there for wellness-related programs and speakers. But before entering the safe space, agents are reminded to care for themselves by taking breaks, exploring their feelings. And that, quote, it's okay to have bad and unproductive days. Oh, boy. (laughs) Remember when you were a middle manager, Scott, and you told your people under you, hey, it's okay to have bad and unproductive days. 
No, it, no, I don't remember saying that. No. Uh, the FBI has also reduced its physical fitness standards. So they bring in these like Doctor Feel Good speakers. Yes, your your feelings are your own, and <laughs> stay away from the negative energy and the chakra and the incense and these guys. <laughs> Lowering the physical fitness standards, you say? Yes. Yeah, to bring in a broader pool of individuals. Mm -hmm. Some yeah. would call it equity. It's yeah, of the course. Federal Bureau of Cankles coming soon. <laughs> well, the dude said. That had been with the FBI, man, when I got in, it took about four years, involved a multitude of comprehensive background checks, a polygraph examination, a physical fitness test, and then a physical examination. You had all that stuff. They said, ah, oh, that's too rigorous. Okay. That is, what is the politically correct way of saying overweight? You've come um, up with this before, David, but I can't remember the term. Alternatively uh, healthy? Yes, <laughs> I don't equity. Know, I just pulled that one out of thin alternative air. health equity. Yes, yeah, I like it. It's the tub of goo clause. <laughs> <laughs> Another whistleblower, Kyle Serafin, if you remember him, said that this is the weakest and worst parts of woke co uh, corporate culture. Said when the work you do is honorable and rewarding, you don't need a wellness room set aside to gather your thoughts. That used to be called your lunch break. But when you hire people whose work doesn't actually impact the rewarding mission of law enforcement and simply exist for its own sake, perhaps they need to detox from the cognitive dissonance of federal service being a federal jobs program, Gee whiz. which is kind of true. Gosh, dang. And you wonder, man, how did we get here? Well, it's a logical step. Everybody else is doing it, I guess. But I guess... Now that we're here, <laughs> in this moment, it, I guess it, it, you get to the point where not a whole lot surprises you. No. But to know where the FBI is now, compared to, say, 10 years ago, wouldn't you have guessed there would have been enough people in the FBI to say, what are we doing? What is this? That there would have been a revolt? Or is this a long process over time that, yeah. that this is how this happens? You just get different people in leadership over time. Honestly, this is this is the end result of spending a couple of decades saying that anybody who has any masculine traits is toxic. I think you're right about that. That's certainly I mean, a that, part of it. That's really what it comes down to is not allowing you know men to be men and handle business. I mean, law enforcement is a rough thing. Does that mean yes. that something like what happened to Tyree Nichols is acceptable? Absolutely not. But you do have to have some certified badasses in law enforcement. Yeah, it's like I'm, the military. Right. I mean, the FBI guys we grew up with, I mean, they put their cigarette out on the forehead of the perpetrator. <laughs> <laughs> Back in my day. <laughs> yeah, all right. I know we got to move on. It's, oh, yeah, it's that time of the day. Look at all these stories out there. It's not maybe the biggest story out there, but it got your attention. Today, David, what's your story? Dude, Joe Biden fell Climbing up the steps to Air Force One again. Yep. Really? Yeah, he's, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's climbing up, leaving Poland, saying, see you later. And, yeah, he stumbles yet again, going oh. up the stairs. Okay, I'm not looking to just take shots. I mean that. You see him walking with Zelensky? Oh, yeah. Really stiff With the so-called stiff gate? Gate, yeah. Dude. 
there's like it looks like there's no movement in the knees. Right. It. I don't know how to explain it other he, than it looks like he's going to fall at any moment because it's like robot legs. Yeah, he shuffles. Yes. Which is not uncommon for someone his age. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Well, I, mean, I, see, I see, I see hobbling. I, I see, you know, it's kind of a shuffle though. Shuffle thing is you're not, you're unsteady. You're not so sure. Yes. Yeah. I think it's because of the straight leggedness of right, it. That's yeah. the that, weird. That's yeah. not as common, at least like to he's me. Walking and on stilts almost. Yes. Yeah. I get it. And man, oh man, yeah. So yeah, he fell again. God. Well, Scott, what's your story? Um, my story is this: uh, the Georgia Bulldogs. Back-to-back national championships uh, in football yep. this past year. Yeah. For the second year in a row, the White House has snubbed them and not invited them to the White House for a big ceremony. Why? Now, last year, you could have said, well, and they did say, well, there's COVID, right? But this year, of course, they didn't get invited, so it's a big snub job going on. One of the players tweeted out, hey, no invite to the White House? This is crazy. A group of Georgia reps, uh, Earl Leroy Buddy Carter, it's one of the greatest Georgia politicians' names ever, uh, and John Ossoff and Raphael Warnack have signed a request now to have them come visit the White House. The response from the White House? Crickets. Now, the question is, why hasn't Biden invited Georgia to celebrate? Could it be that Georgia's a red state? Could it be that the Georgians failed to elect his favorite progressive, Stacey Abrams, as governor? Sure looks political to me. That's very interesting. I've heard about the teams, and of course we've heard about whether or not they're going to visit, that sort of thing. Well, yeah, when the, when the uh, Golden State didn't visit that year with Trump, then they went back the following year with Biden. Yes. Yeah. There's been a few teams, if I remember right, that's done something similar to that. Yeah. But rarely do you see where they just a team doesn't get an Invited. invite. No. That's kind of crazy. Um, my story today, and you know what, I think we're going to get even more into this a little bit later. And... Saw it at the Wall Street Journal. I think most news outlets are on this story. That the people that tried the four-day work week in the U.K. said it was so successful that they're keeping it. 92%. One of the reasons I made it my story today is because I know this drives you bananas, Scott. It it does. It does. And why is that? I believe in a five-day work week. I believe it would be invested in the company you work for. That it's worth eight hours a day for for five days to sort this out, to get it done. Okay, what if you worked, you know, nine hours, four days a week? Uh, Ten hours, four days a week. Ten hours, four days a week, and then got Fridays off every Friday? Yes. I don't know. Go to your office and just throw pencils into the ceiling. (laughs) You know, just be there. What if you ran the place? Okay, and everybody's getting everything done, and you're hitting all of your goals. Because apparently that's what's going on. They didn't, I'm going to find did... something out of place. Okay. David, you would be for it, right? Oh, I think so. If you're in a business that can handle it and it's you know beneficial, I, I, I got no problem with it. As long as you're handling your work, whatever. As long as you're not dealing with customers, maybe. I I think for me, if I were running it, it would be also like zero tolerance for horsing around during the week. You'd have to to make sure that you have strict standards as what the expectations are. Um, But, yeah, if I could swing it, eh, I don't mind. Yeah. You know what I think part of it is? If we look at that and you're not quite buying it, I think it's because of woke culture. 
I really do. I think it's like, okay, so what is this really? Yeah. What are you not telling me? Right. But by all appearances, the way this program worked, um, it went over six months in the UK. And then there were, you know, researchers from all over the place. 61 companies participate, nearly 3,000 employees. And the companies could choose how they'd structure it to get the day off. And how many hours, you know, for the four days or whatever. But they said it was a resounding success. And you get one more day to let the llamas out of their cages. <laughs> kept unfairly. Well, the workers talked about all these benefits. Well, I'm sure three-day weekend's nice. Better sleep, stress levels, personal lives, mental health. They spent more time with their kids, their families. That's why you hate it. Now I, it all makes sense to me, Scott. Spend more time with your kids. Please. And your family. You don't want that. Oh, more time for your friends and your household duties. You hate all of it. Right? Yeah, really. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. I guess it says things, volumes about me, actually, yeah. Oh, gosh. Some uh, Another question we can tackle. Does America need a COVID truth commission? Yes. And what would it look like? Yes. Straight ahead. Right. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. I don't know if I have time to get to it later. I couldn't believe it of all places. Vox.com has this whole piece about how the pandemic took young people's present. Mm-hmm. What about their future? I mean, it's long. Yeah. Like how bad it was for younger people. They're horrible. Some of us were saying this at the time. Yeah. Okay. Especially uh, marginalized communities. And now they, they care so much, but they wouldn't listen to anybody at the time. Nope. They said, this is terrible for these kids. Yeah, the, the, the pandemic, COVID didn't do squat to that community. No. It was, uh, it, it was self-important wannabe dictators that wanted to follow the science, even though they were ignoring the science. Speaking of that, Martin Koldorf is from Harvard. Jay Bhattacharya, professor of health policy at Stanford may recognize their names, well-respected, well, until the pandemic, and they didn't fall in line. Right. And then they got blacklisted. Yeah. They came out with a piece saying, this is why we need, you know, a real COVID truth commission. I agree. And as they're talking about this, they're talking about at the time, we didn't protect older people initially. The COVID mortality risk more than a thousandfold higher than that of young people for older people. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you have all of these lockdowns and school closures and vaccine mandates and discrimination. Said by early 2022, about 95% of Americans had contracted COVID despite all the countermeasures and all these people getting vaccinated. And so they talked about all of the collateral harm. Broad agreement that the school closures in some states running a year or more have set kids behind in ways that will lead them to worse outcomes, including shorter, poorer lives. Yes. And, I mean, you go through all of this information. It's unbelievable. And we, we already know this, but we'll never trust the public health authorities or university scientists again. And we shouldn't. No. They've proven we, themselves to be politically motivated actors here. But they never would give, and this is what they both say, what empirical basis were schools closed? 
Did public health decision makers consider the harms of their policies? No. Why do American public health authorities insist on masking children as young as two years old when it made little or no difference? Why did they do that? And they knew it. I remember when it came home to me, I went to my granddaughter's band concert. And she plays a woodwind instrument. And they had little holes cut in their masks that they could play the instruments with. What the hell is going on here? Well, I remember you saying at the time, we're going to look back at this decades oh. from now and say, that was insane. The most ridiculous thing ever. Yes. Little holes cut in there. They can play their instruments. And sometimes it's, it's given as a joke, but it's true. We can't ever forget this. Never, ever. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Ask a quick question. Didn't plan this on the show. Um, but every once in a while, I'll see headlines. And it seems like, holy smokes, we're really getting closer to World War III every day. But it doesn't seem there's that sort of vibe out there right now. Do you feel it? Well, I think, you know, I, yes and no. Okay. Because to me, you know, when Biden is sort of painting himself into a corner... By, you know, showing up in Ukraine and Poland and talking about, I mean, basically he gave, yesterday, gave a wartime president speech. You would think, if you didn't know anything about what was going on, you would think that we were directly involved fighting on the ground against Russia right now. Um, that is true. Would we weak? <laughs> would we, we, would, would we the, all of our allies? Yeah. And, and I think that... Huh. Yes, there is a sense that we're barreling towards world, or towards world War Three. There, I was drinking out of Biden's mug. But people are cheering it on. Yeah. Like the legacy media types are like, oh, this was great of the president to go and do and all that. And it's like, okay, whatever. It's a speech. But, man, it really did seem like we were on the front lines of this thing, even though we're not. Well... So after the first speech, and then Putin gives his speech in Russia, threat, you know, about arms, and you're talking about nukes. And, you know, I'm reading different stories about this. There was one in the Wall Street Journal that talks about something we already know. Uh, China's in the mix. Their top diplomat, Wang Yi, was ripping on the United States at this security conference in Germany before then yesterday getting to Moscow. To see Russian officials and people saying, yeah, they're proposing a summit between Putin and Xi Jinping of China. They're going to be getting together. Mm -hmm. And, of course, that's pretty stressful for a lot of people when China gets involved. Yes. Yeah, and that's when I guess it gets real. But it doesn't seem like, at least as far as I can tell, legacy media leans into it that much talking about, okay, then what happens? Well, no, they they generally treat China with kids' gloves anyway. And why do you think that is? I mean, and I know it's, we sound like conspiracy kooks when we say no, no, it. No, I, I I don't. 
I don't think it's a conspiracy theory at all. I think it's just common business sense. There's a lot of money yep. that that comes in from China. That's what China has done for uh, decades, ever since relations started opening up with China. But China and Russia both have a common interest in weakening the United States. Yeah. Now the one the one thing that I think if you're worried about some you know partnership between Russia and China is we've seen this play out before, and the Chinese government generally makes for a terrible ally because yeah. they because they are ruthlessly invested in their own interest and I don't blame them for that that just it is what it is but there are a lot of times if you look at uh, relations between China and Russia, especially you know in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, there are a lot of times where Russia was kind of looking at China to be to back them up on one thing or another, and China, time and time again, kept screwing them over. Yeah, to the point where the Kremlin actually had to send emissaries to Beijing to try to say, "Hey, man, get in line here." And they said, "Yeah, sure, we will," and then they didn't. Do you think China will? end up sending the weapons to Russia? Because people say that's going to happen. I think they already have. We just don't I do know too. about it. Yeah. Well, and just so you know, Tony Blinken, the U.S. Secretary of State, warned that would be a serious problem for U.S.-China relations. That spy balloon that just rolled across yeah. the United States? Eh! Eh! Eh, no big deal. Nah. But, yeah, but this would cause serious harm to the relationship if you send the weapons there. I mean, it should all cause harm. I mean, we look so weak in so many different ways. But keeping an eye on that, man. I like this chain reaction, too, of these balloons. It's like we're shooting down anything now. Yes. Anything. It's like the weather balloons all of a sudden. Good night. I saw a buddy of mine shared it with me the other night. He said, you know how they're going to make these safe for the United States military is just a big one that says Black Lives Matter across it. (laughs) I saw that, too. I like the one. It was uh, it was the the meme of the Goodyear blimp over the Daytona 500, and yes. on, on the the text crawl, it just said "Don't shoot." <laughs> that was good too. Yeah, China will just start making those balloons, no problem. Yeah, the balloon ride business has really been suffering them, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, totally different story, and I think originally this was like sort of a nothing story, David. But then it got interesting because of this individual person. Yeah, there, there's been a grand jury in Georgia investigating Trump and his team's reaction to the 2020 election, and they've been deciding whether or not to recommend indictments for anybody in Trump's camp, including maybe even the, pre- the former president himself, uh, related to election crimes. Uh, now, there were a lot of redactions in the report that was released last week, and now the foreman of the grand jury, Elimini, uh, Elimini. Elimini Crickets? Elimini Crickets, yes. <laughs> Emily, I don't know why I'm having such a, such trouble with the name Emily today, but that's how it goes. Emily Coors is the uh, foreman of the grand jury. Uh, she's now doing a media tour. And this lady looks insane. She looks like, I'll just say that she's definitely boiled a rabbit or two in her lifetime. Oh, wow, okay. okay. Anyway, on CNN, she was asked to name who's going to be indicted. Okay. I think if you look at the page numbers of the report, there's about six pages in the middle that got cut out. Okay. Allow for spacing. It's not a short list. Not a short list. (laughs) More, I mean, did you recommend charges against Donald Trump? 
I really don't want to share something that the judge made a conscious decision not to share. I, I will tell you that it was a process where we heard his name a lot. And I will say that uh, when this list comes out, you wouldn't... Hold on a second. Why is she even doing this? <laughs> I don't know. It's her, her 15 minutes of fame. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. All right, finish the audio. There are no major plot twists waiting for you. You know, it's interesting. We, that just raises more questions. Of, of, I know. Of I know. I'm sorry. No, no. Do, I, I we know. call this the teaser interview. Yeah, right. I mean, she is definitely the kind of lady that calls her mom about how she finally met someone because, you know, you held the door open for her once. <laughs> mom, I think this is it finally. <laughs> See, I haven't seen her yet, and I think it's probably a good thing mm. because, well, if you're listening to this right now, there's a good chance you haven't seen her. And then I asked for the description. David gave that sort of description, and what did you describe her as? Kind of bat-faced. What does that mean? Kind of bat-faced. It sounds terrible. Squished face, kind of a pointy little nose. <laughs> in, in fairness, she was Miss Wuhan 2019. <laughs> so, <laughs> golly. Okay, <laughs> she's been dining at the wet market. <laughs> <laughs> so. She's the grand jury foreman outdoing just a bunch of interviews. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know the prosecutor's there because, l listen, they, they shop around for a prosecutor who might pick up a, a case like this to try to embarrass Donald Trump or any of his associates as much as possible. They go to, what what was it, Fulton County. They go to a deep blue area, and they find a jury of uh, Donald Trump's <clears throat> peers uh, to come up with whatever they want them to come up with. Okay. That that's how this whole thing works. But I will say the prosecutor is probably mainlining Maylocks right oh. now because the grand jury foreman <laughs> is out there doing this bizarre lonely cat lady act on NBC and CNN, like I, just sounding like a totally deranged lunatic. <laughs> well, thank you. it is, man. Some of this stuff you just can't make up, but it's pretty wild. All right, switching gears to Pete Buttigieg. Uh, question's been, hey, when are you going to East Palestine? Well, apparently he's Ohio. going, like, tomorrow. Yes, all of a sudden, what was that, about an hour ago? Yeah. The announcement yeah. was out there, he's going to go. Yeah, and, I mean, two things, in my view, happened. One, he was bullied into doing it, and then, two, Donald Trump is showing up there right now with, like, pallets of water and cleaning supplies. That's a good move. Yeah, it really is. It's a really good move. And so now, you know, somebody in the Biden White House is like, all right, we got to get Mayor Pete over there, okay? Because right now he's, we can't have Donald Trump looking good in the press, okay? Right. Uh, so, yeah, Transportation Secretary Pete Boot Edge Edge, though, uh, was asked to react to the mayor of East Palestine, who's really ticked off that Ukraine got a visit from Joe Biden before his yeah. town did uh, after that train derailment and chemical spill. And, he says it's a slap in the face and whatnot. Uh, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg was asked to, for a response to that. Okay. Well, the biggest thing I want uh, residents of East Palestine to know is that they're not alone. Uh, our department's personnel were on the ground from within the first hours of the incident. They've got multiple federal agencies on the ground. Oh, time out, man. That's not what people were saying. Okay. Nope. No one's here. No one's come around. No one. They had the big town hall there. Where were all these people? Partnering with the state, partnering with local first responders, and this has the attention of the entire administration. The only skill set that dude has is political speak, which most people see through as absolute BS. I, I, I'll tell you, he's our good partners. at it, though. He talks a lot and says nothing. Our partners. Partnering with the state, partnering with local first responders. And, and what did you get done? Mm -hmm. Wow.
Okay. So there's your update on that. Um, David, you had a story about a botched train order. And this yeah. was in Spain? Yeah. Well, it, it's good to know that we're not the only country dealing with incompetent leaders. Um, two top officials in Spain have now resigned after they booted an order for new commuter trains. And the problem was the trains were too big to go through most of the tunnels in the northern part of the country. <laughs> <laughs> so they spent, oh my goodness. they spent $275 million on trains they couldn't use. Now, they said that we caught the break because we, we, we caught this mistake early enough to avoid losing all of the money, but the project has now been pushed back by two years. Maybe that's where Mayor Pete has been this whole time. Maybe he's buying yeah, trains yeah. in Spain. Could be. Well, with their partners on the ground in Spain. Yes. It's been very important. Mm -hmm. Yes. Meanwhile. Trains in Spain rain mainly on the plains. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I'm sorry. I can't help the way my brain works. All I can think of is Spinal Tap. We got a Stonehenge monument. (laughs) You didn't get the size right. (laughs) The train can't fit. Goodness gracious. (laughs) A new record has been set. That story much more coming up. Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm Jamie Markley, Gen Xer. David Van Camp, the Millennial, the Sexy Boomer, Scott Robbins. Okay, you've noticed a lot of companies saying, hey, you got to come back to work now in the office. I have noticed that, yes. And big story about Amazon saying, hey, we got to change this. We're going to have to start coming back into the office. People that are working at Amazon are not happy about mm-hmm. it at all. I would keep my head down in this current economic climate. I would, too. Well... Amazon's let 18,000 people go over the past several months. Yeah. Um, so I'm reading this story. The CEO, Andy Jassy, wrote a memo to employees this last Friday saying, you know, teams tend to find ways to work through hard and complex trade-offs faster when they're in the same physical location. Mm-hmm. Going to need you back in the office. Okay. So after that happened, a bunch of Amazon staffers joined an internal Slack channel called Remote Advocacy. More than check it, dude. (laughs) That's crazy. 14,000 members of the channel. This was from Business Insider. Nearly 80% of workers in the channel claimed they would start to look for another job because of this policy. Good, do it then. Do it. This is going to be absolute chaos and make everyone's work distracted for probably a quarter, maybe longer, one of the disgruntled employees said. It's hard to be productive with so much uncertainty injected into our lives. Oh, please. God. I What's think. uncertain? You show up in the office like you did every year before 2020 for three days a week. That's the thing. I mean, a lot of us have been in situations where there's downsizing going on and you're watching people lose their jobs. Mm-hmm. Usually that is when the individual says, okay, I've got to do everything I can so that the powers that be you know, know that I'm doing my job and to the best of my ability. And while I'm at it, start making phone calls. Well, yeah, just in case. Right, as to where I'm going to jump to next. Yes. But, I mean, it's not the time to start griping and moaning on Slack. No. But they nevertheless drafted petitions against the return-to-office policy. We, the under 
signed Amazonians are responding by petitioning for the right to choose where to work, including remote locations. Dude, I I have a conspiracy theory about this now. Okay. Someone from the company started that petition on purpose to see who signed it. And then the people who signed it, those are going to be the first ones to go. (laughs) It could be. Or at least the first ones that get looked at when it comes to more downsizing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't blame anybody for wanting to keep working remote if you can. You know? I mean, commute times, all of that stuff. I knew a lot of people that when they started working remotely going, you know, it's not so bad. kind of like it. But a lot of companies have shifted to go back. Right, I mean, and, you can wish in one, in one hand and you know what in the other. Well, what was this in so the So what? So what you wish and want? Right. Who cares? They're the employer. Right. 85% of managers think the shift to hybrid work has made it challenging to have confidence that employees are being productive. Now, at the same time, you have some companies saying, okay, if there's someone that is really good, we can make exceptions. Elon Musk even said that because Elon Musk has been one of those first people out there saying, you're going to have to get back in the office. It's just more productive. Mm-hmm. Um, but he would also consider allowing, quote, particularly exceptional contributors <laughs> to work remotely. Well, if you're really good, you get yeah. perks other people don't. That's that's just part of life. Yep. Another story I happen to see, certainly not one of the biggest stories of the day, but I thought of you, Robbins, because you're a collector. And this person, I guess, was collecting this iPhone, one of the originals, oh. so unopened. Yeah, those are big collectible items, yes. From 2007. Uh, sold it for $63,000. Holy cow, man. Yes. Wow. Well, they couldn't text the bids to him. It's her. Her? It's Karen. Yeah, there's no text on that phone. Yes. So of all the things you've collected, mm. because you have like some stuff at a friend's, another at another friend's, and then you got, is it one garage? I got one garage. Storage garage. Not two, just one. Just one. Of all the things, what do you think you have that's worth the most? Tough one. Um, if you had to guess off the top of your head. Gosh, probably the uh, George Michael Queen signed CD set from the Live at Five thing they did. Okay. For AIDS in 1991. What do you think that would go for? I don't know. A couple thousand, maybe. You wouldn't sell it, though? No. Okay. And that's just off the top of my head. I mean, I got a bunch (laughs) of stuff signed. I don't know. This is the Markley Main Camp and Robin Show. Okay. Biggest story of the day today, David, would be what? I guess that the transportation secretary is finally going over to East Palestine, Ohio, after being bullied in the media and after Trump decided he was going to go drop off a few pallets of water and cleaning supplies and whatnot. Wow, that was a good move from Trump. Mm, It was. (laughs) Really smart. Holy smokes. Yeah, all of a sudden, because the answer yesterday from uh, Pothole Pete, I'm going to get there, but when I go, it's going to be meaningful. All of a sudden, yep, cleared out the schedule. It then got meaningful after one interview that went bad. Yes. Okay, is this a fake headline? Is this real? The Pentagon left a server wide open? That appears to be real, sir. We will get to that and another news update straight ahead.
The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. So the Pentagon left the server wide open. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it was information equity, I believe, is what they were going for. <laughs> yeah, the Pentagon had some big issues, and apparently they uh, left a computer server for their elite counterterrorism command wide open for anyone Jeez. to access. Now, a researcher found out that the uh, Special Operations Command, SOCOM, was leaking a huge amount of email data on the Internet. Anyone who knew the IP address could get in without the use of a password. <clears throat> they didn't even have the password, you know, password one. It just, <laughs> if you knew where to look, you could get on in. Now, these were unclassified emails, so that's good-ish news. Uh, as far as we know, the available data included information about military contracts and requests for paperwork processing from DOD employees. Okay. But that that's a whoops that you can't really have when you're running the nation's military apparatus. It's like a surgeon, man. Right. <laughs> there are some mistakes you just can't make. Right. <laughs> yeah, you can't leave sponges in people. Whatever it might be, yeah. Right. Like, yeah, everybody makes mistakes, but there are some, man. They're, the responsibility is so huge. It's like, no, that's one you just can't make. Wow. You can't take the pancreas out when you're doing open heart. Right. right. Yeah. Um, this might be uplifting. It seems like we could use it today. With all the news that's out there, I just happened to see this um, from Rasmussen. Most voters reject the wokeness thought of sort of white supremacy. Put it that way. That everything is white supremacy? Yes. And the root of all evil is white people? Yes. That other people can be racist, too. It's not just white people. What? Yes. As a matter of fact, 79% of adults agree with the statement, uh, black people can be racist too. Because that's very popular, especially with the ultra-woke, that only white people can be racist. Mm -hmm. It always floors me, and we've talked about this before, and it was either 2013 or 14 when they did the polling of what people thought as far as what race of people were most racist. And the interesting thing at the time was black people said that other blacks were more racist than anybody else. That is That floors people when you bring that up. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not true. I'm telling you, that's absolutely... I remember talking about it at the time. I think when you see results of the survey that <clears throat> you had mentioned at the outset about how people do reject woke ideology and the whole uh, Ibram X. Kendi school of thought that everything that happens is a result of racism and only white people are the culprits behind it. Most Mm -hmm. people reject that. And that's a good reminder uh, in, I guess you could say, these troubled and hyper-partisan times that we live in. Because really, the hyper-partisanship only happens in legacy news and in politics and academia. I mean, that's it. And most people in America don't run in those circles. Most people in America just want to, you know, work their nine to five, be able to pay the bills. They want to have friends. They want to have relationships. If they have kids, they're going to their kids' activities. They're hanging right. out with other people. Yeah. They don't have those thoughts. They want to be left alone. I mean, it's even, even when you have somebody who is on board the woke train, it's very interesting. There's a, 
a person I know who is on that train hardcore mm -hmm. and has one of those T-shirts that has a picture of somebody holding a book, and it says, uh, come and take it. You know, <laughs> and it's all reacting to these stupid right wingers who want to ban books and whatnot. Right. But it's interesting because this person has a child who's starting to read young adult and some adult fiction. And they are hypercritical or they take a hypercritical eye to any reading material that their kid is considering reading. Like they like for example, this person asked me, "Hey, what do you think about uh, the the kids getting really into some Stephen King stuff?" Mm -hmm. And and they asked me about the book It. Well, in the book It, there is an extremely graphic sexual scene involving the kids that are okay. in it. That part didn't make the movie <laughs> um, for obvious reasons because people would walk out of it. Right. And I just mentioned that I was like, "Hey, you might want to flip to." Uh, towards, well, I guess it's like towards, what, three quarters of the way through the book or something like that. You might want to look at that just to see if that's something that you would find objectionable because I honestly, it's been years since I've read the book, so I don't remember. Sure. They read through it. Yeah, we're taking the, the book It off the reading list. And then I'm thinking, okay, but you're so mad at people like Texas Governor <laughs> Greg Abbott and right. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis for taking even worse books out of the shelves of libraries why are you so mad about that because if you read those materials you would agree with that but they believe the propaganda right that there's nothing wrong with those books instead of actually reading the books yeah that's what, that's why i think you know the parents who go and read these materials at school board meetings and getting shout right. and get shouted down because it's not appropriate for public access television you know <laughs> yeah, things right. like that um I, I i love it when people do that because Everyone needs to be aware of precisely what is being taken out of schools. Totally agree. You know, the other thing is, and this is actually totally switching gears, but to be a victim elevates you in society right now, especially the younger you are. But it, it, it transcends. It goes up through the decades. And I bring that up because Meghan Markle's been in the news recently because she didn't like how South Park portrayed her. Yeah, right. We got lawyers on it, right? Yeah, I don't yeah. think they can do much, well, but I'm that's what they not, say. But yeah. But I saw a completely different story about Meghan Markle, and it paints this picture. I wanted to bring it up because we're all fathers of daughters, right? Yep. And I did not realize that she had this blog, Meghan Markle. And it revealed this close bond that she had with her father. I did not realize they were so close. Isn't the picture that's been painted, it was very strained for a long time? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, then you'll be floored by this the way I was. And it, it, it's also kind of heartbreaking because, you know, as a dad, you're raising your daughter. You want that close relationship and you want to do the right thing. Um, and when it is close, you feel, you know, really good about it. I mean, a couple of letters that my daughters have written me are, I mean, I don't want to get too cheesy, but it's like two of my most prized possessions mm -hmm. because it, it made me feel so good. And to see where Meghan Markle and her estranged father's relationship is, this is what she had written in the past because she had this blog called The Tig. I wasn't familiar oh, with. Oh, everybody's read the TIG. <laughs> well, it's it's making news because 
um, there is a resurfaced blog post about her sister-in-law, Kate Middleton. That's been getting the news, but other mm. people said, oh, there's something else in there that's a lot more heartbreaking. Um, and it's all about her dad because they had this strong bond. So this is what she wrote in 2014. Okay. And I think, yes, this was on Father's Day. She said, I think of so many moments with my dad. Our club sandwich and fruit smoothie tradition post my tap and ballet class. Classes which, by the way, he religiously took me to on Saturday mornings after working 75 plus hours a week as a lighting director. That paints a really nice picture. So, and then it goes on. You want music behind this, don't you? I can tell. I feel like there's something lacking. Yeah. All right, roll it. That's fine. Um, anyway, uh, the fishing trips along the Kern River and Big Bear Lake to catch catfish or trout or and cook it up for dinner and the commitment he made to lighting my high school musicals so they felt as grand as a Broadway show. The blood, sweat, and tears this man who came from so little in a small town of Pennsylvania where Christmas stockings were filled with oranges and dinners were potatoes and spam invested in my future so that I could grow up to have so much. What dad would not want to see that? They sound close. Right. He helped turn my bathroom into a dark room when I was 12 because I wanted to be a photographer, shading my windows and red lighting gels and filling my cabinets with extra jugs of fixer. He put gas in my car when I went from audition, trying to make it as an actress. He is the person who believed in this grand dream of mine well before I could even see it as a possibility. He taught me to write thank you notes, to always arrive early, to drink Arnold Palmer's, to find my light when I'm on camera and beyond. And that right there is my point. My dad taught me to find my light. And he taught me to always make my own box. To my dad, my thoughtful, inspiring, hardworking daddy, happy Father's Day. If I had all the water in the world, I'd give all the water to you. You won't get that quote, but he will. And for Father's Day, that's all that matters. What happened? Oh, dang. Gee, if you're I mean, her dad, you're like, oh, my gosh, all those sacrifices. It was totally worth it. That really makes you feel good. She had a, she had a nicer upbringing than I did. <laughs> but she's the oppressed one. <laughs> yes. Okay. So you have the same reaction I did? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm stunned by that. A little really bit, am. but then I have to remember what, what I truly believe is that uh, Meghan Markle is the greatest American patriot who's ever lived because she <laughs> is finishing the job that the Founding Fathers began by taking down the royal family. Yeah, and so that is I mean, a very great point. That is a very so, hot take uh, and a great point. I'm just saying, I, I think, you know what, she probably... She's had to sacrifice a lot in service of this country, and so I am not passing judgment on her too harshly. Okay. I hope it's worth something like that. She's a horrible person. (laughs) (laughs) Great American patriot, Scott. Yeah. Oh, and uh, clean up from a little earlier when I mentioned I would tell you a new record that had been broken. Yeah. Uh, That is going to Disneyland every day in a row. For 2,995 days. Okay, put that person on a watch list. (laughs) Immediately. Jeff writes, 
Right, it's a dude, uh, 50 dude. years old. Okay. Yeah. Did he work there? No. No, the run stretched from 2012 to 2020. Well, his last visit was the last day the park was open before uh, COVID. They closed it down. He was trying to make it to 3,000, was five days away. Hmm. Story goes, he struggled a bit during the pandemic, decided to make changes in his life. I would that's say that's good. positive. Yeah. One of them was to stop the streak and just move on. But he was just certified by Guinness, so he's got the record. He says he'd love to return to Disneyland and show it off, but he hasn't decided on a return date yet. Is that like some sort of weird addiction? You've watched those shows, Scott. You like watching people eat couch cushions or whatever it is that's yeah. crazy. Is this something like that? Oh, I'm sure it is a mental illness of some kind, yes. Now, I guess that will be like, does he get back to Disney before Boot Edge Edge goes to Pennsylvania? <laughs> well, he's supposed to go to Pennsylvania tomorrow. Oh, okay. I don't think or this Ohio, guy's going back to Disney tomorrow. Ohio, I'm sorry, yes. This, uh, I mean, I, hmm. Disney adults are creepy anyway. But how much <laughs> money did that cost him? <laughs> that guy... I mean that's that's like poor Michael Jackson vibes big time. Like couldn't afford to build his own theme park, but you yeah, know, I mean, if I knew any more part of the story, I'd tell you I don't. That's the only part of the story I know. I just find it, it kind of crazy. The dude didn't obviously didn't work. Well, I guess you could do it on the way home if you had the you know the year long pass or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh man, another story we gotta get to. I found a for me yet. <laughs> Clinton aide linked to Jeffrey Epstein shot himself, but how? No gun found. Straight ahead. The Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. This story's not getting a whole lot of play, David. Seems like a kind of a big deal. Yeah, this is kind of weird. So, uh, starts off tragically here. Last May, a former advisor to President Bill Clinton supposedly killed himself in Arkansas. This is Mark Middleton, who also signed Jeffrey Epstein into the White House multiple times while Clinton was president. I think 17 times he got put on the back burner uh, during the Clinton administration because he was accused of... Uh, basically using his position to impress people, signing people into the White House, show them around just to sort of show off. Uh, now, the cops ruled that Mark Middleton killed himself. They found him hanging from a tree with a gunshot wound to his chest. Well, now the sheriff's deputy apparently wrote in his report that he found three boxes of 12-gauge buckshot in the guy's car along with a gun case, but no gun. The Daily Mail was the first to report this, that a lot of the information has been under wraps. The family's been fighting to keep it sealed, and they said they were worried about photos being shared, and obviously this would be a, an extremely gruesome scene. And I, I yes. don't know if anybody really wanted the photos, but it's sort of like just information on what happened. So according to the deputy's written report, he was called out to this ranch uh, because of an abandoned vehicle, and as he was getting the tow truck squared away, the person who initially called started yelling because she'd walked around a bend and found the body hanging from a tree with a gunshot wound. Now, I don't know, again, the Daily Mail didn't go into details here. Maybe, like, the reference that the deputy made to a gun not being found was during the search of the vehicle. So maybe there was, like, a pistol on the ground, I don't hmm. like, under him, I don't know. But it is very odd that the guy would have a gunshot wound to the chest and be hanging from the tree. 
You know, yeah. It'd be one thing if this, you know, was the first of one of these kinds of stories. Yeah, where a potentially problematic person magically disappears. Yes. Yeah. And there's some sort of fact that's involved that's like a head scratcher. Like, how did that happen? That's what is most intriguing about mm-hmm. it. Like, oh, my goodness. Keep an eye on that. I saw this. Uh, you can tell me if you found this troubling or not. There was a survey done. And take it for what it's worth. Um, this was conducted by one poll. Uh, four in five pet parents, they call them now. Oh, Dear gosh. goodness. Yeah. Pet owners claim their dog's wellness is just as important as their child's. <laughs> that, please tell me that can't be. Well, there might be some truth to that. Come on. 80%? Really? I think my mom... You're bad people! I think my mom has taken the dog to the vet many more times than she ever took me to the doctor when I was a kid. Okay. okay. But that, that's, that's not I'm to saying. say she's just as concerned with the no, dog's no, health no, as just, yours. You know, debatable. Although that one time you were in the hospital, she did say, I'm not going to be up there for a while. I care more about my dog right now. I got to go let the dog out. Yeah. <laughs> Joking. Time to go. That can't be. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. I had to ask David, am I hallucinating? Did I see this headline correctly? The failing New York Times? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the New, the, the New York Times has, it's not in their news department, but it is, uh, it is in their opinion uh, page. Okay. Uh, they are saying, hey, you know, those uh, mask mandates didn't do anything. Pointing out that, oh, yeah, there is actually research that the whole mask thing didn't really do anything with COVID, which, again... Three Jamokes with access to the internet who were looking at COVID death rates, infection rates, and whatnot in, in states that had rigorous mask mandates versus states that didn't could tell you there's obviously not ample evidence that the mask mandate thing works. Studies from Denmark, Sweden, Israel. What, yeah. are they all evil? We can't trust them? <laughs> right. I mean... I mean, it, yeah, it just it didn't really seem to seem to make a whole lot of sense. Uh, really, after the first, I don't know, what, couple months or so, you're kind of like, okay, well, uh, we'll do it, I guess. And then all of a sudden this thing goes on and on and on and on. Now, the CDC director, yep, sorry, kid, you're going to have to wear the mask at summer camp outside. Yeah. And, and, and it's very interesting because there was new research that came out, what was it, last week, I guess, that pretty much shut the, the book on the debate saying, nah, it really didn't do anything. The masking thing with COVID didn't really do much of anything. And even Fauci in in a research paper was talking about that, plus the the effectiveness of the mRNA vaccines to stop the transmission of COVID. No one covers it. Yeah, no one covers it, except now there's an opinion writer 
at the New York Times who does. The science and technology side of the New York Times doesn't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. But the opinion did. Uh, the, as, it, as it goes, uh, those skeptics who were furiously mocked as cranks and occasionally censored as misinformers for opposing mandates were right. The mainstream experts and pundits who supported mandates were wrong. In a better world, it would behoove the latter group to acknowledge their error, along with its considerable physical, psychological, pedagogical, and uh, political costs. Well, don't count on it, though, because in congressional testimony this month, Rochelle Walensky, director of the centers of, of the CDC, called into question the, analysis, uh, the an analysis about masks and COVID, saying, well, you relied on a small number of COVID-specific randomized control tri- controlled trials and insisted. She insisted that the CDC's guidance on masking in schools would not change. It's like... She took as gospel a study about masking in schools out of Arizona, where for a significant portion of the time they were studying this, schools were not accepting students. Yes. we. I remember talking about it at the time. <laughs> it was crazy. They were on summer vacation. Well, see, the COVID rate dropped to zero. <laughs> well, well, I would hope so. Because <laughs> no one was there. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, no, no one wants to ever admit that they were wrong about things. And we've all admitted, you know, throughout this entire debacle, some things we got right, some things we got wrong. Sometimes we had disagreements and sometimes, you know, one was right, one was wrong, and that's it. You, and no you, one scoreboards on this show. Oh, no, not at all. No, 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 no. But that's you, part of the fun. It, well, it's, of course it is. But it's, it's not really that hard to say, hey, you know what, I missed this. As... Scott, I think you said at the time, we were all just trying to figure it out as the information's coming in and make decisions based on what you knew. Yes. And you're trying to find out more information. You're also trying to figure out who can you trust and who can you not. And if you bucked the trend, resignation to it all was seen as honorable. I mean, if you resigned to it and just you were you were honorable if you did it because you were saving lives. There was no blood on your hands. But That's all it, fine and good until you get the research that exact, says it doesn't do any good. No, of course not. Yes. Might make you feel and, better, but it doesn't do any good. And then we knew this is really not good for kids. I think we were talking about this, too. I mean, in that there are some organizations within the government that I think we had blind trust for up until the pandemic. One of those was the CDC. I think we looked at the CDC as like, they're there to help us. Yes. Well you know, said. The, the, and, and we don't trust anything they say now. It's been ruined forever. Forever. Yes, and maybe that's a good thing. You can take that small little positive out of it. But but it is. It's like one of those things where screw you. I know. You know, you lied for years. You know, and along with that failing New York Times piece, and I mentioned this earlier, there was a piece in Vox written by Brian Walsh. Not the old singer of our band, different Brian Walsh. Oh, oh, yeah. But anyway, dude, this whole thing is about what this has done to kids and how bad it is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, in Vox... I guess good because you're realizing this now, but it would be nice to see apologies along the way mm-hmm. of, Hey, you know what? We probably own apology to those people that said how bad this was going to be for kids. And we just poo pooed it away mm-hmm. and called them science deniers and all this other nonsense. Right. Yeah. We should have been better. We're going to try to be better. That, that would make it easier to stomach a piece yeah. that, you know, a whole section on a lost generation. Well, Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, gosh. Yeah, I remember when uh, hunk of crap Bethany is. Mandel in it was the spring of 2020. She's a writer. Uh, had talked about we're going to lose a generation of kids, mm-hmm. and at the time, I disagreed with that just because I never thought in a million years that we'd be talking about school closures two years into the thing. I know. I never thought. I was like, well, you know, it's like half of one semester, so yeah. I, I I don't know if I buy that completely. Well, I mean, she was right. She got she got tarred and feathered as a grandma killer, if you remember, right. by the same people who were dead wrong about basically everything in COVID in the end. Well, man, we could go on and on and on about this. You know, I know we got to get to other stuff. You know, in the end, a lot of it depends on where you were at in the country yeah. for the kids oh, totally. and how, how much of an effect it had. Mm-hmm. I did see this from Fox. Um the headline, COVID relief money targeted for use by cities to fund reparations programs. Oh, yeah, there you go. Uh, surprisingly, critics say using pandemic relief to pay slavery reparations is a misuse of the taxpayer funds. But there is a growing list of municipalities across the United States going to be using the American Rescue Plan money to bankroll social justice initiatives. Okay. Mm-hmm. I see this story, and you're talking about Providence, Rhode Island, already dedicating $10 million in pandemic relief toward creating the Providence Municipal Reparations Commission to address racial equity. <laughs> you're laughing. Well, well yeah, I mean, of course there's this commission, and I'm sure no one in government's cousin is going to make some money off of this. Right. Yeah. I mean, yes. these, these, in the end, all of these, you know, commissions or the, the work groups and all that kind of stuff, in the end, it always shakes out the same. It was basically a highfalutin money laundering scam. Yeah. In a lot of ways, yes. Um, Representative Byron Donalds, Florida, whose name has been much more recognizable since the Speaker of the House vote mm-hmm. went down. Um, black rep from Florida said there are wide disagreements on this topic to use pandemic spending on something that Congress did not vote for and approve for localities to say that they're going to basically repurpose the funds for this to me is outrageous should not occur well no and then I'm reminded at the ongoing conversation across the United States saying is it time for the national divorce and you got the red states and the blue states I don't think we've talked about this in months right uh, it's been a while. Yeah. And you know my rule if it happens. Mm-hmm. And you choose blue, you don't get to move to red for how long? Five years. Under- yes. Five years. You're committing to blue for five years. And sometimes I wonder if that's not a good idea. I know people freak out when you actually start talking about it. But you wonder, as divided as the country is on so many different topics... How can it keep going the way it's going? Well, I think because it's on the road to communism. And it used to be someone would say that, and there would be the reaction of, what a kook that guy is. More people are like, no, that's for real. That's true. You see it happening all around us. Yeah. Well, I I think you you don't need a real, you know, secession or anything like that. I mean, I'm not in favor of any of that. But, um... I think you're in a red state. 
I think yeah, what do you a, care? with a lot of blue islands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what I, what, I, what I think is interesting is that it is kind of already happening in that you see people fleeing yeah. New York and, and California and Illinois for states like Tennessee and Texas and Florida. And what you've seen, actually, is that red states are getting redder because the fear was always, at least, as a Texas guy myself, Fear was always, oh, my gosh, these liberals out of California are going to move in here and turn Texas into Florida. Mm-hmm. Well, then you get some of the data from elections since 2018, and you notice that people who move to Texas actually vote conservative more reliably than yes. people who were born and raised and have lived uh, their entire lives in Texas. Or And the same thing can be said for Florida. You know, you see this massive rightward shift in the state of Florida, and it's because I think, one, you may have a lot of recovering liberals, and then also a lot of conservative voters do live in blue states and decide, to hell with this place, I gotta go, I gotta leave. So it's already happening. What we need is a return to federalism, actually. What we need is a weaker federal government and a shift more towards honoring the rights of state governments to govern themselves the way they see fit. Yeah. But more on that later. You you think about, too, there are some, it depends on the state you're living in. Sometimes you could have most of a state be red, but it's one major city that turns it blue. I mean, Illinois is an example. Sure. I mean, the story that's been talked about out of Illinois, you know, around the country, is that more than 30 Illinois public schools have, check it, no students proficient in math or reading. Like, not low percentage Zero, yeah. like a Blutarski, zero point freaking zero in 30 schools. That was a report from Wire Points. No students can read at grade level. Holy smokes. You know, I just... I, I mean, I've heard of duffel bag full of failures. That yeah. thing ripped at the seams and came yeah. out all over the place. That's Mo- insane. Most of them are in the Chicago metro. I mean, there are yes. a few downstate. I mean, there's one in particular, I think, on the reading list. Uh, is like Trewin School. Uh, and it's it's all the same thing. You have, you know, schools in impoverished areas that the state of Illinois, for all of its bluster, really doesn't care about. They don't care about poor black people. They all. care with their money, right? <laughs> they'll give they'll give more money is what we need, dude. Douglas Academy High School, which is one of the Chicago schools, guess how much they spend per student yearly to not learn anything? Yes. Okay. Uh, Take a guess. Five thousand dollars. The closest two wins. I'll say uh, thirteen thousand. Let's say you got to come within seven thousand okay. dollars. Okay, you're both low. <laughs> Seventeen thousand dollars, David. Twenty thousand. Too low. Good golly! <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. Twenty-five thousand, David. I'll go uh, thirty thousand. Too low. Okay. Are we declaring no winner? You want yeah, me to just tell no you? No winner. <laughs> okay. Uh... Douglas Academy High School spends over $56,000 per student yearly. Dang. But none of its 44 students can read or perform math at proficient level. Money well spent. <laughs> On... We need more money. <laughs> it's crazy. It was. All right. News update straight ahead right here.
The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Would we be weak? Would be you? We would be, Would we the all of our allies? Yeah, I know. Yeah, we're gonna be in Ukraine for as long as it takes, as much money as it takes. Like watching a toddler try to walk on a waterbed. But some are saying one of the greatest speeches in Biden's career. Right. <laughs> Do you think was... like these these leaders of other countries when they're sitting there together like that, like elbow each other when he starts that stuff? Like, <laughs> no, I don't think they want to be caught on camera doing that because this is the rich uncle in the nursing home. They all want to kiss his butt. Mm-hmm. Got to get paid, man. No disrespecting. No matter what happens, don't disrespect <laughs> that guy. I know you want to laugh. So do we. Okay, you have a news update on a story, David? Oh, yeah. Remember uh, last week, Andrea Mitchell on MSNBC was interviewing the vice president uh, of the United States, Kamala Harris, and asked her, oh, well, actually just flat out lied about what the state of Florida uh, was doing with AP African-American Studies, this pilot program that's only in about 60 schools across the country, and it has a bunch of uh, well, Marxist ideology put in there, queer theory, critical race theory. Mm-hmm. And the state of Florida said, no, we're not going to do this. We're not partaking in this. And the curriculum actually got changed as a result of that. Um, well, Andrew and Mitchell made the claim to the vice president that Ron DeSantis had banned teaching black history. Yes. If you were to ask the question, how do you lie and spread propaganda in the form of a question? It would go something like this. What does Governor Ron DeSantis not know about black history and the black experience when he says that slavery and the aftermath of slavery should not be taught to Florida school children? I don't know what he knows and what he doesn't know, but I know this. (laughs) And then we go with the McGurkin. Well, uh, it's interesting because Brian Griffin, a spokesperson for the uh, for Governor DeSantis uh, put out a boilerplate response to anything coming from NBC or any of its affiliates, <laughs> which is basically until she goes and corrects the record, we're not talking to you because that's a lie. I love it. And oh, yeah, yeah, that needs to I happen. I love it. Well, Andrew and Mitchell uh, offered a pseudo correction about the claim that DeSantis was banning black history or the history of slavery. In my interview last Friday with Vice President Harris, I was imprecise in summarizing Governor DeSantis's position. No, you lied. About teaching slavery right. in schools. Governor DeSantis is not opposed to teaching the fact of slavery in schools, but he has opposed the teaching of an African-American studies curriculum as well as the use of some authors and source materials that historians and teachers say makes it all but impossible for students to understand the broader historic and political context behind slavery. And nope. its aftermath in the years since. No, that. No, who says that? Yeah, well, exactly. a bunch of left-wing his, historians, right, and left-wing teachers. Correct. Golly, man, <laughs> that is disgusting. Their egos won't let them actually just say, "I screwed up." No, can't do it. I don't think that's going to be good enough. Don Lemon can't do it for she the DeSantis team. None of them can do it. No, of course not. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Biggest story, if there is one today, David? Boy, there's a few things popping today. Uh, I think probably one of them is that Pete Buttigieg, the transportation secretary, has been effectively bullied into going to East Palestine, Ohio, finally, to show up at the uh, train derailment that happened there. Yeah. wonder how that's going to go down, too. The people, I think it's going to ring hollow, especially with Trump going there. Right. Because you mentioned that earlier, yeah. if you're 
just joining us. Trump's going there. Yeah, he's showing up there with some clean drinking water and <laughs> some cleaning supplies. A really great. It's really great optics for him. It is. It's a really good idea. All right, we got another news update. Robbins, you got your big three. Yeah. Scott Robbins, top three, the trifecta. Straight ahead, right here. Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. All right, before the Scott Robbins trifecta news update, David Van Camp. Man, just a, another addition to the duffel bag of failures of progressive ideology and governance, man. You know, we've been following a lot of major cities that have been crumbling as a result of far-left ideology. You, mm-hmm. you can see it. You can watch it happen. In Portland, you can see it happening in Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York, Chicago, and Baltimore, of course, Baltimore, New York. One Philly. of, one of the, the poster child is Seattle right now. Yeah, uh, because man, that is that it is so sad what is happening to that great city. Um, now there's a report on Como News about an upholstery and rug place that's been in business for. Uh, since 1907. Wow. And they're closing because people are afraid to go to the store because it's always surrounded by homeless encampments, by open-air drug trading and drug use, of course. And the owner uh, of it spoke to Como News, and here's here's what she said. It's tired. We're tired of fighting with it. Clients are nervous coming down here to drop off. My... My employees don't want to be here early in the morning after dark or weekends when we're here alone. Every Monday morning when we come in, there's graffiti and needles and the mark of our lovely burning mattress that we had last Monday. I think a lot of businesses are going to leave before it gets better. How can we allow this to continue to happen? To keep this electing is the same people within the city. No one should have to live like that. No. No business should have to operate that way. And, and no. sadly, what you're seeing is people who have options are getting out, and the problem only gets worse. You know, you hear from the left talking about reparations all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm serious. These cities need to start providing reparations to these business owners and homeowners and, and renters whose lives are getting upended by this disaster. I mean, I agree with you. You're paying your taxes. Yes. For a number of different things, one of the big ones to be protected and your business to be protected. They won't do it. You're employing people. And it, it depends you, on the city. You know, sometimes it will be a smaller city outside of the big city, one of the suburbs, where some people will go and try to start their business there, or sometimes they just leave the state. Yeah. It depends. Yeah. But you've seen this. It's not sustainable for so many people. They just got to put up with it. Yes. Too bad. Tough. I think that's the frustrating part that a Good lot Lord. of people feel. You should be able to call law enforcement or whoever your rep is and say, this has got to change. And they should be able to get there and sweep it out and make sure it doesn't happen again. 
totally but they agree. won't do it. No. Well, and honestly, when we talk about someone like Ron DeSantis and why his star has risen so much, yeah, is because just a gut feeling, and from talking to people, that when you feel hopeless, that there's so many things happening, whether it's education, you know, crime, the border, whatever. That here is a person that seems to have a plan for all these different things to combat and fight for. And that's what people want to see. Because, man, you lose hope. Then you're done. But yet, for I mean, what else is this business going to do that's been there since 1907? It's so frustrating when I hear these people, though. They're just throwing their hands up going, well, we can't do it anymore. Right. It's lawless. Yes. And it's allowed to happen. It's just amazing. It is. Okay, are you ready for your big three? Did you have any other updates for now, David? Oh, no. No, we're good. No, no. You, you got Robin's good and fired up for his trifecta. <laughs> yeah, you. You that, well, if that was yeah. the reason, that you did well with that. No, All right, we're did. ready. Let's do this. Are you ready? It's the three most important news stories of the day. I hit the trifecta. Well, at least according to Scott Robbins. It's the trifecta on the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Every day at this time, Scott Robbins' top three of the day and always helped by his hero. I'm Casey Casey. Hey, Casey. Yes. How you doing? You doing all right? You staying out of the sick bay, buddy? How you feeling? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm ready. All right. <laughs> three. Number three, Joe Biden fell up the stairs again. He did. I'm not making this up. The, the thing is, what we did not know and what we know today yeah. is him falling up the stairs in Poland, which he did again yeah. going into Air Force One. Mm-hmm. It's usually falling up, not down, but it's up that he keeps missing the step and sprawling yeah. on the. All right. So he tied a record. That was set by Gerald Ford back in 1977. <laughs> and to that I say congratulations. This is my, this is my, 19, I'm sorry, 1974 it says. Okay, never mind. This, this might be one of those uh, outdated references, but now I think I'm going to start calling him President Lloyd Christmas from <laughs> Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> <laughs> Fell off the jetway again. <laughs> If that's too old of a reference, Robbins and I are cooked, dude. Well, no. The one I just made really went over everybody's head, if that's the case. Gerald Ford. Well, you got the year wrong. I'm like 77. 74, yeah. 74 is what I meant. Yes. Okay, yeah. Well, you yeah. kind of blew it on that one, man. Well, I tried. I was blacked out. I could hardly see it. Yeah, well, he was just... The joke was the staircase to Air Force One. Yeah. And he was imitating Joe Biden. Right. <laughs> if I'd have done it right, then that really loses authenticity, right, doesn't exactly. it? Right, exactly. Yes. Thank you, by the way, before we move off of this, that stiff gate that they talk about with yeah, Biden. Yeah, the stiff gate. Yeah. Okay, what does that really mean? Like he's walking on stilts. Yes, yeah. I know. But I'm saying, what could that be a part of? Well, didn't didn't Scott, you said, and maybe maybe you were just making this up and it was a joke and I just took it seriously, but that his, his feet are numb because of circulation issues? Th- yeah. I have read and, that. And I can tell you, as a person who has circulation issues in their feet because of illness i mean i i do understand but i don't think i have a stiff gait it's just uncomfortable you walk a little different because you can't feel your feet well for those that don't know you had your heart attacks yeah and you didn't walk well for months and then you had balance issues yeah so it you had as you've said before had to relearn to walk yes you don't look like anything like biden the way he walked no 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 no, but people talk about that's one of the things as you get old, and there's sometimes cognitive decline. Mm-hmm. Not that he's shown any signs of that, Joe. <laughs> um, 
But anyway. We're getting closer yeah. and closer to number one. <laughs> Up to number two. Oh, I know you love this story. NPR is cutting jobs. Darn the luck. NPR says they're cutting 10% of their workforce. Gosh dang it. Who's going to do the 30-minute talk of Don Dwight Twilley's musical career now? <laughs> uh, where am I going to get that? Hey, so, wait a second. I'm just asking the question. I mean, it's your trifecta. Yeah. I thought your take at one point in time was you don't ever make fun of anyone that's losing a gig. I, I traditionally, that is, that is something that I, I'm steadfast with. Are you making an exception right now? Well, they said they're eliminating filled positions. Uh, they're talking, are not going to fill positions that are already empty, but they're also talking about some people whose skills, spirit, and talents help make NPR what it is today. A function of the Democrat Party. The annual budget of roughly $300 million. Revenues are likely to fall short by close to $30 million and could reach $32 million. We're not seeing any signs of recovery in the advertising market. Mm. Wait, wait a minute. <laughs> You're not seeing signs of recovery? It's everywhere. <laughs> didn't you hear, Joe? Yeah. It's, it's, well, America's bounced back. Look. Well, didn't you hear your own reporters? Well, exactly, uh, the economic David. outlook is actually really good. The Joe Biden presidency has been great for workers. <laughs> Exactly. You're the mouthpiece. Republicans are just pouncing on some negative inflation data, whereas the economic outlook <laughs> of America, experts say, is strong. We don't anticipate having anything like this ever happen again to NPR. <laughs> now, on with the countdown. <laughs> the Scott Robbins trifecta, top three Gosh. stories of the day. Gosh, dang it. Yes. One. Number. Our music director of our jazz division got laid off. <laughs> One of my old buddies used to do that. Now I feel bad that you said that. I, I've worked with a guy who that's what he does. I know. No. The music director of the Blue Show. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Taxpayer dollars, you say. Thank you very much. Yeah. Okay. What's number one? Uh, number one, uh, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg did not want to answer questions about the Ohio train derailment because he was taking some personal time. This is uh, from Jenny Terre from the Daily Caller talking to Mayor Pete as he was, I guess, leaving a restaurant or something. Oh, yeah. You don't have a message for them? I do, and I shared it with the press many times today. I'd refer you to those comments. Do you mind sharing it with us? No, I'm going to refer you to the comments that I made to the press because uh, right now I'm taking some personal time and I'm walking down the street. Are you going down there? <clears throat> What's up? Are you going down there at all? Um, yep, yeah, I am. When are you going? Uh, I'll share that uh, when I'm ready. Okay, I'll talk thank you. Can I get a photo of you? Yeah. <laughs> can I get a photo of you? A second. For what reason? She can put it on the wall. Don't talk to this person ever again. I guess. I don't know. First That's time he's odd... been asked questions about what a horrible job he's doing. He can't. He folds like a cheap table. Yeah. So your update is what? He's going. He's going now to tomorrow to East Palestine. Palestine. I can't. I always mispronounce that. Palestine. David will correct. I know. Mm -hmm. He's going there tomorrow. Apparently, this really bothered him a lot because he was able to break away from his personal time and actually do his job. <laughs> I wonder how much of this is because you have legacy outlets that were actually asking the same question. 
George Snuckalophagus asked it on Good Morning America, and he said he planned on going. But when he went, David, you remember. Yeah. Well, it would be, be a photo op. Yeah, for a purpose. A yeah. Photo op. Well, and, and I think, again, Donald Trump is there today handing yeah. out pallets of water. Uh, he was asked by, oh, I forget what her actual name is. She goes by Sab Says. Oh, uh, Savannah Hernandez. Um, uh, just shouted a question at, at, at Trump. Hey, what's your message to Joe Biden? And apparently Trump said, get over here. <laughs> That's good That's stuff. Good. Little that less, is. little less weird messaging about Ron DeSantis. More of this stuff, Don. You'll be fine. Well, you can also tell yeah. these guys are not being used to being held accountable for anything. Yeah, they're dude, just not used to it. They're not used to anybody questioning anything they do. Here's okay. I'm wondering this part, and I don't make, I don't mean to make too much of just one little off comment from Pothole Pete. But when he says this... I'm taking some personal time, man. I'm walking Is he saying I'm taking personal time right now? I think Like, so, it's yeah. my personal time, I'm not answering questions? Yeah. I took it as being with his husband and they were going to dinner or something as their personal time. Because he was next to him, the husband. Okay. What's his name, Chester? Or... <laughs> I think Chastin. Chastin, yeah. Ch- I thought it was yeah. okay. Yeah, that's really odd because the message from the left before has been you get in their face oh yeah or again and you brought this up david is if it's a supreme court justice go pick it right outside their house well i mean we had a high-ranking democrat a few years ago saying anytime you see a a trump administration official you make a crowd make Mm -hmm. them uncomfortable but this reporter can't ask pothole p a question right no okay just wanted that for the record there you go. And there you have yes, it. Yes, thank you very much, Casey, uh, oh. as always. Yes. Okay. Good job with the trifecta, as always. Scott, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Casey. Oh, yeah. Goodbye. Yep, got yeah. it. Okay. We got to get to a news update. And Nimrod's in the news. Couple of dandies. Straight ahead right here. David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. News update, David Van Camp. All right, so you, you, you've got this crackpot lady who apparently was the foreman of the grand jury that was weighing whether or not to indict Trump or anybody in Trump's camp uh, over the reaction to the 2020 election in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, and this lady is out there. I mean, she she really looks like a nut job. <clears throat> Like the over under on the number of cats she has that she calls her children <laughs> is probably five. At least. I haven't seen her. I've only heard her, and she does kind of sound like that. And it's a very and she's talking about how how neat it was being part of this grand jury, and God. you 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 might you won't be surprised by who gets indicted. The list is very long, but I'm not going to say <laughs> anything, even though I'm saying something right now. <laughs> And she actually said she wanted to subpoena Donald Trump just because she wanted to be the one to swear him in. Yep. Uh, I think I have that. Yeah. Of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in? I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. (laughs) 
Like, this is the type of lady calls up her mom. Mom, I think I met the one. Uh, okay, what's his name, Emily? Uh, well, I don't know his name, but he was handsome, and he held the door open for me at Starbucks. Emily, is, is this a repeat of the FedEx truck driver incident? We're in love. I saved his coffee stirrer. Mary Catherine Ham. Uh, yes. written for, I think, The Federalist and other outlets. Uh, she's a contributor to CNN, conservative mm-hmm. writer. Uh, did something kind of funny with this whole thing uh, and said it was an interview with her toddler, but instead of her toddler, it's this lady answering the questions. I thought this was kind of funny. How many remotes would you say you've hidden from us today? I can't say I counted. Mm-hmm. And what about this book? It doesn't even have a cover anymore. The sections that were removed were consciously chosen to be removed. How many of your siblings' things have you broken? It's not a short list. Cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That's fine. All right, we got to get the Nimrods rolling out. When the going gets tough. Damn it, this is too hard. The dumb get dumber. All right, Dan. It's Nimrods in the News on the Martley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. I love the poorly educated. All right. Nimrods in the News. They're saying this is one of those stories that's like if your mom said if a friend jumped off a cliff, would you do it too? Yeah. So some idiot got into uh, an argument with a cashier at a Circle K in Memphis. She wouldn't sell him a beer. So to get even, he grabbed a whole display of chips, put them in his car, drove off. I'll just take the chips. Well, while the cashier was distracted, another customer, Joseph Broswell, noticed the guy dropped two bags of the chips inside. So he picked them up, started eating them. <laughs> well, police had been called. They found him a few minutes later with crumbs on his face. Then they had the security footage. Facing a charge of theft of property. Because <laughs> they still do that in Memphis. It's not San Francisco, <laughs> right, buddy. Right, yeah. Each bag of chips valued at $4.98. And that's Nimrods in the News.